Good evening. Good evening. Salutations. How is you and everybody? Uh, it's, it's good. I mean, it's trying to be good anyway. A little bit. Try a little bit. You know, maneuver, skidoover, and do the shavoover. You know, making up words over here, people. What I do. That's not the writer. I can do that. Yeah, you have yeah. That, you have you do have that privilege. I am privileged to make it up. Shawala walla bing bang bong. Oh, see the crowd of pleases. Please, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Whoa. Watch out for that. Yeah. I might be uh, playing with some new toys later now that some of the stuff's working. But anyways, it's Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Yes, it is. Wednesday night. Week before Thanksgiving, Scuba and Arai. Here we are for your enjoyment in our weekly-ish uh, gathering of talking about games, TV, entertainment in general, and whatever's going on in our lives. Bringing the pleasures to yep. you. It's uh, Scuba Steve here, and of course, Rye Guy. Right here, people. Rye Guy. In oh. the flash. Yeah. In the flash, in the flesh, all that fun stuff. Oh, man. No, I'm I'm tired. I'm still tired from last week. Oh yeah, I I uh, yep. I remember I saw you text. I didn't get too far down the street, and all I did was turn around and go back. <laughs> so, la, la, we had a training class last week, and it was our tra it was the the trainer's first time teaching the class, redoing the class, and because haven't had a, a training class in a while, new training material regimen. New trainers, and I was I was there to help and kind of be an observer and kind of be like an online moderator because it was a it was a hybrid class online and on campus and it was it it, it was a lot it was a lot nine a.m. to like eight nine ten p.m. more like eight nine p.m. kind somewhere of, around that time frame, and, and it was just it was rough it it, it got a little rough after that just because it was like you know going through this and and just it wears on you you know oh yeah especially when you haven't done those hours in a few months and then you got to come back and you're doing those hours it's like it drags you down and then you're like wow i don't miss this <laughs> not on mine though because it's good because i wanted to see this and now of course i had a student in that class yeah who's 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 now working on my team um but be part of how that whole new structure because this is that all those work projects been gearing toward and now they're start now we're starting to take steps in that direction and and get the implementation and that's always the interesting part is when you get to the implementation phase especially the first phase yeah because I'm, we're we we we're not going whole hog. Just dump what we did before. We're doing this new thing. We're transitioning, and I know it's a multi-year process to transition. Just yeah. because take the baby steps. Well, I mean, it's like if you're used to doing a certain business practice. Yeah. Right? And it could be a business practice. It could be a hobby. It could be an activity in any type. You've been doing this certain process or procedure for years yeah and now you're give you now you're being you're told informed uh re in new resources new all of these things where it's like you're going to change the way you've been doing it 
Yeah. It's the because you've been man, you've been doing it, and it may not have been the best way to do it, and not have been the most efficient way to do it, but you're now you now are in a position where you could take how where you could take where you take this and completely spin it on its head and do something new, and that is a frightening because it's new. Yeah. And it's because it's new. I'm not frightened. It's the how am I going to execute it is where I get a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, it's nerve wracking because it's like, OK, we could do it this way. We could do it that way. We could try this thing. And it's like it up until this point, it's always been theory craft. Right? Oh, yeah. Trying to role play, trying to theory craft it out. Now you got bodies on the floor, on the ground. Or, and you got boots on the ground, you got people doing it, and now the dynamics of individual personalities are, help, are, are, are stepping in, and all of your theories have to stand up to that test of these people. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, and you're a trainer by trade anyway, at yeah. where you work, so... Yeah. It's it, it's got to be an interesting thing when you get like a whole new training regimen on something yeah, it's or it's a, like, oh, we taught this class this way for years. And yeah, we're going to yeah everything related to it is no good. We're going to do yeah, this transitioning again. from one thing you've been doing into the other. It's all a manage of how you can be efficient in transition, what can be transitioned to that model and then just seeing um, what can be improved from said thing. As with our training, we have a lot of stuff that is in person but through remote but also transitioning stuff to modules you know trying to figure it out and trying to work out the kinks while also you know being efficient with bringing the material across so yeah i totally understand yeah well any course uh, you guys have been following along with the show hopefully you know that i've been talking about how the last couple of months we've i've had a bunch of projects that i've been working on and all start coming together and this week was like Connect all the of them were Connect launching. The so I have a new team member, a new way my team is going to, the, the new procedures my team is going to start doing, a soft launch of a new platform or a, a, announcement, a launch of a new platform. It's kind of a soft launch launch kind of deal because it's already been out there. It was just, it was one of those things. It's out here. But we didn't say it was out here. It's like a soft opening of a restaurant. Like, yeah. you know it's there, but it's not a lot of word out yeah, there yet. It's that if you know, you know. Yeah. If you, right? Yeah. If you, if you know, you know. Yeah. And so we had that going. So that was out. And, of course, the big kind of reveal. And this is what I love about my the team I'm working with now is – Sent out, put this list together, sent it out. I got the confirmation. The changes were made. Great. The following morning, immediately, ticket after ticket after ticket. Hey, I can't do this procedure that you said I should be able to do. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I got a presentation in a couple hours, but yeah, let's, 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 you know, let's get that, my, let, let's get the powwow going here. So it's like my team, my... My team is calling me. It's like, hey, they can't do this. I'm looking in there. I can see can't. This isn't working the way you the way it should. That we talked about it would work. What do we do? Also, these other kind of things are kind of quirky. All right, let me put a call in over here. Hey, something's kind of buggy with this and that. Can we get together? Got together. Got on a couple of calls. Found the settings that needed to be tweaked. 
immediately coded and put out a fix and put it up there for all of that. And it was like within 30 minutes, start to finish, had pivoted, resolved and got out and updated my training that I was doing <laughs> in a couple of hours. Yeah. So, so right there. And it was like it, it, that and a couple other things was like, I, you, you know, it's like you're right on that cusp of, of launch. Yeah. But it's you, 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 you almost know it's like I need a I just need I need a little reassurance, you know, I need a little a, bit. I need a little confirmation that things mm. are going to work like we have talked about. Get that bump. Get that. Oomph. So I didn't quite have that for another thing. <laughs> so yeah. I did my presentation. I think I did fairly well. The chats uh, thought I did pretty well. My team thought I did pretty well. So I'm going to take that as I did pretty well. Thumbs up over here. Yeah, so you didn't even hear it, but still. Yeah. anyways, so doing that, and it was like, okay, and it was like, all right, let's get a couple of confirmations, and got that, and then it's like, all right, hey, by the way, this is the other thing that we, I was looking at, I was looking to have launched by this week is is out, it's good, it's golden, so now it, it's like after all of that for the last few weeks and the last couple of days, yesterday I was, I was done i was so mentally done with the day oh yeah i mean with all the shenanigans i can see why i mean you guys have probably all you, you guys have got to have had this at this moment where you're like you're stressing you're prepping you're you, you've you've gotten to that last minute there's details you wanted to get worked out you're pulling it off you're putting it together you're sitting there and you're ready to go and then you execute it's over. It's done. Things didn't go completely nuclear and blow up in your face. You succeeded. <laughs> you got the information out. You got praise for it from your audience or whoever was whoever saw what you were doing. And then afterwards, you're just like, all that stress is gone. And then it's that fatigue. Like if you know, runner's high is a great great example. I used to do a lot of running before I you know messed up my foot and all that and got so big, but you know that point where it's like you're tired but then you hit that high and then when you, you just, stop running and your body goes all right i'm done yeah we're done i'm just gonna sit over here and i'm gonna pass out yeah that's that that <laughs> when you go when you're at the runner's high you just keep going and if you know if you stop you're gonna crash yeah not like crash a car but you're just gonna go oh, bit, bit, bit. So. well i mean yesterday started off pretty early too because one of my cats had a seizure at like 4 30 in the morning ouch that is so early. It's like, well, there's a wake up call. Yeah. So did that. Had that. And I was like, I'm not going back to sleep. Sit for a couple hours and then start working stuff. And it was just watching that clock count down. And it's like, tick, tuck, tick, tuck. And then I was yeah. like, all right. And today was like day two, whereas a lot of it was listening in. Great. Overall went well, I think. A lot of great information. So we'll see what happens in the next couple, next few weeks or to the next. On to the next training. On so to, to the next one. Pretty That's much. what it feels like I do. I prep presentations and crunch data and then make sure my team has got the resources. And, you know, we've get, we're getting toward the vision that I've, I have for the department. Yeah. And it's like, okay. But it was a, it's a lot of change. It's a lot of how we did it is not how we're going to do it. And, you know, the writing's on the wall if you're paying attention. So. It works. It works. It does. It does. Um, but you know, he got to check out a new restaurant. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about this off the air. It's like um, I want to say it was Thursday night. 
Thursday we went to a place called Shorebreak. Yeah. Uh, they put they they built out a new one. It's over the it's it nearby where I work. When I go into the office, and it was like it, the location is great. It's like right there on the lake, and they they built one wall one side of the uh, of the tap house and pizza place. One side is like got these glass garage doors that can open up, so you have like half the restaurant could be open and overlooking the water. Oh yeah, but it's not the you know it's not the ocean; it's a lake. So lakes, I think, are a lot more peaceful than the ocean. The ocean is just loud. <laughs> I mean, sorry, it's like it's loud. You got all the waves crashing. You're on a lake. Skadoosh. It's like, you know, totally understand. So it's like we went there, checked that out, tried a new drink called a. Royal Flush. And is that a mixed drink or like a certain type of beer? It's a it's a mixed drink. Um, it's something that uh, you could get either as a shot or as a drink. So you know you're already in for an interesting experience. But it wasn't bad. And then when I went to bowling that later that night, and I ordered one so my wife could try it. The idea was to have her try it, just so she could say she tried it, and then I would finish it. Yeah, that didn't happen. She tried it. She kept it. Ordered a second, and I'm like, "Where's my drink? Mm. What?" Anyways, that'd be interesting to try. I've seen the ingredients, but yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I think my buddy notes. I'm gonna try it maybe one time. Yeah, no, no. We were sitting there. I ordered a, I ordered a Bold Rock uh, cider, and uh, notes ordered a Royal Flush, and then uh, our other friend G ordered it, and then it was like. What is that? And I was like, yep. Ordered me one and drank it. I was like, nice. I like this. This is good. It's one of those things where you go, hmm, why haven't I heard that before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never, I mean, you know, he's, that's why That's why it pays to have friends who are foodies. Oh, yeah. And so what about you, Rye? What have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Speaking of food, the last couple of weeks, um... Just been out and about outside of, you know, work and school because that's what I do on a normal basis. A uh, few weekend parties on the weekend uh, before this one. Um, oh. So uh, we did. There's a little celebration at my girlfriend's house for a birthday. And the same day was my mom's birthday. So on that same night, we went to a, a place called The Yard. If you're familiar with The Yard, it's an ice cream joint over in Virginia Beach. And what they do is they serve ice creams. They have very they have customizable uh, unique ice cream creations and they put it in mugs so mugs are like this big oh. and they top it with a ton of toppings <laughs> so yeah so we did that celebration a there ton of toppings usually. yeah yeah if you look up the yard online you'll see all the different creations um it's over in virginia beach and also that same night was able to sneak out to do the day of the dead festival um sneak yeah sneak out why not to sneak out well, not truly sneak out, but only had, you know, between the party and going and taking my mom out for the ice cream, you know, went to there, had enough time to go there, get a couple of drinks, experience some of the dancing and then go do the thing. But I reason I did that because usually my favorite drink gets released around this time. They didn't. But here comes the twist uh -oh. is they released another drink that I really liked that I hadn't had in a few years. And that time they didn't have it, have it in a can, but they at least had it in the tap. So, you know, had had to drink it. Went That's back to good. Farmhouse the second time with my cousin, and then this time around, they actually uh, 
they actually had it in cans, so I had to buy a couple things. But yep, uh, they have a good, I love Farmhouse because they have a variety of different drinks. They did have a few new sour beers out there that I like. They have a guava flavor one. Mm. So if you do want to try to check it out, Scuba, hint, hint, one time, uh, we can go and try that guava. I think it's still on the tap. But other than that, that's that's pretty much it. Just, uh, you know, chilling and eating all over the place because that's what I do. Probably have to do it on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That might be possible. Because I got a busy few days. Sunday might be possible. Sunday's. Uh, yeah, I have to go check that out. But other than that, no, nothing else too big going on. Just looking forward to the Thanksgiving week because I'm off. So I get to chill. Probably binge watch some shows, some more movies coming up for you peoples. And that's about it. Yeah, I think we're going to do Enola Holmes. Yep, I'm going to find time to watch the sequel to that. Uh, the Fablemans comes out next week. Got to watch that. Spielberg's my favorite director. As if you watched a lot of podcasts before, you would have known. So, yes. So, looking forward to some of that watch, some of that downtime. Of course, still got schoolwork, but no. And looking forward to this weekend because I'm going to see uh, one, a comedian I've been wanting to see live. Uh, Gary Owen. He's coming to the Funny Bone this weekend. So, going to go check them out. That's right. So yeah, next week we're not gonna have a pod. We're not gonna record next week because it's Thanksgiving week. Yeah. So our, the following week. So gobble gobbles for you people. So we get plenty of time because people might be trapped. I mean, it'd be. Uh, we'll have this. This will probably re release next week for Thanksgiving. So this is your pre-Thanksgiving fun. Gobble gobble. Um. So hopefully your your Thanksgiving travels, if you're traveling, are safe and sound and whatnot. Um. I think this weekend, uh, right this, this weekend coming up for me, we're going to go to Virginia Comic-Con up at Richmond Raceway. Oh, uh, yep. So have a report on how that went because it's like a first big con or bigger than like Tidewater yeah. con. Work our way up to the big to the big leagues. Oh, yeah. I definitely <laughs> want to do the Galaxy Con in Raleigh one of these years. Um, I would have came, but... I want to check out that comedian. Haven't seen him ever, so you know. Hey, go check out. I mean, you you had plans. You had plans. Oh, you yeah. Do thing. There was an email that came out at work today about our Christmas party, and I'm like, oh, I've already got plans for that night. <laughs> Sorry. It's called not being there. Yay. You know, Yay. actually, what warmed my heart about it is when I replied back to the individual who sent out the invite. I said, oh, unfortunately, I have prior commitment that night. Their response back to me was, oh, that's right. You got that radio thing you do. Hey, we're famous. Love it. Details, details. But, you know, I hadn't talked to her in a couple of years, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's been a few years since I actually talked to her. So for her to remember that, it's like, kind of cool i kind of yeah. like that probably correct the fact it's a podcast not a radio thing but if you're listening to us on spotify then it's a radio thing <laughs> yep because it, like you know me you've ridden my car uh, spotify stays on in my car pretty much the yeah whole i'm liking time. that i one of these days i gotta figure out if i can get some numbers on how well we're doing on spotify but uh yeah um we're out on you can find the audio on uh, all your major podcasting uh venues uh you can Find it. Obviously, you can find us on find the video version on YouTube if you're into watching the video. Just the two of us running our mouths with this pretty little background. Do, but do, that's do. all good. But if you're listening to this audio while you're driving, jogging, doing all the things, we appreciate it. Just want to 
shamelessly plug and ask that you uh leave a review and uh give us a give us that five star rating because i think boom we're i think we're hit it with the five hit it with the five so because we're chilled we're laid back this is what we do that is how we roll i might rearrange in here i've yeah. been thinking about rearranging the studio it does uh you know it's all right to do you know do do a little well, change I, I don't know why, but today I was just thinking, you know, I'd like to stream painting again. That would be cool. But the desk I'm sitting at is covered in electronics, so it doesn't work. It's not very conducive. Yeah, for that. you don't want to do that. You know, get so get the drip was, drips on them. Yeah, I was pondering rearranging and and resetting up the cameras and stuff to do like use the crowd to overview the crafting and maybe get back onto Twitch and stream on Twitch or stream on YouTube uh some painting and crafting on the table uh but i still have to think about that but yeah. it, it, it's the, something it's to think to about kick around in my head so ideas who know me uh people who know me know it's like when i get something start kicking around in the head at, to at the ideas point, we're gonna be like uh that scene from iron man 2 where it's like all right guys get ready we're going into hardware mode <laughs> Next thing you know, I'll be building particle accelerators in the house. Vroom, vroom. But uh, yeah, um, so yeah, should be lots of fun there. But all right, so what we got on the docket today? Docket today, yeah, we couple, got a couple, couple of movie reviews. Yep. A couple of gaming things to talk about. Streaming news and some odds and ends. And then whatever sidetrack thing we get sidetracked on. Because, yeah. you know, this is how we go. We This is how we go. Yeah. Dum. What we got on deck first? Uh got on deck first is a dramatic note. About a dramatic note. We not. Maybe it's not as dramatic as I thought it would be. I'll make it dramatic. Da -da -dun, da -da -dun, da -da -dun. Dramatic. Pause. Dramatic. Look away. Uh, all right. We got a couple of reviews for you this week. Unfortunately, neither one of these films I've seen, but I want to see them. So I'm going to, how committed I am to watching them is going to be Rise Challenge. Okay. So let's start with our first one. We have some familiar tastes, you know, slight differences in a couple of things, but most of the time, in well, the same circles. We have this first one. It's called Banshees of Ire of Inishirin. Inishirin. Yeah. And this is a independent film. In a way. Yep. Um, very we watched the trailer for this. It's it's very cool. It's about a couple of friends where one of them one day was like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Pretty Stop much. Talking to me. That is that is the then premise. He, then the whole the rest of the film is okay, because we have Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleason. Correct. Brendan Gleason's the guy who wakes up and says, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Stop talking to me. I hate you. Yeah. And Colin Farrell plays the guy who's like, what? Why? Yeah. And spends the rest of the film trying to figure out why Brendan doesn't want to be his friend anymore. Yeah. That's the premise I got from the trailer. That is pretty and much. If you've seen either of these two actors in other roles. They're then... pretty good. You know, this could be interesting to see it kind of dialed back, less uh, less hype and more of a focused character dialogue interaction. Yeah. 
So my first question, Rye, is where can I find this film if I want to watch it? Well, it's in theaters. Um, in theaters. It's, it's not in streaming yet, but if you maybe give it a week or two, it might be in streaming. Well, not streaming like Netflix or something, but, you know, somewhere you can rent like Apple or Prime Video or something. But I wouldn't put it past him. That turnaround time right now is like yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, but you know? yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past it. It's just uh, the last time I saw it was still playing in theaters, but being that it's indie drama, it all depends on how many times well, it'll be if there. If it's doing well in the box office, yeah. they're going to keep it in the theater. But, you know, nowadays they've been doing the transition where they'll still have it in theaters and then start putting it for rent on the thing, and then eventually it transitions over. All right, I'll take a look at that on my Apple TV. Yeah. So, but all right, Ryan, tell us about okay. the Banshees. Banshees of Inishirin. It's from writer-director Martin McDonough. He hasn't done a lot of films, but the films he has done have been great, and I'll go into that a little bit later. But focusing on this film is, like like you said, not going to reiterate what you just said. Um, Brendan Gleeson, who is, his character name is Colm, um, decides to not want to be friends with Colin Farrell's character. Uh, his name is Podrick. And basically, these two friends, at the time, uh, they live on a small island community off the coast of Ireland. And then one day... Their friendship suddenly hits a impasse, and in those crossroads, they both have to find a middle ground and face the consequences of their actions. So, as I mentioned before, this is from writer-director Martin McDonough, and Martin McDonough, he's only done a handful of films, but the handful of films that he has done are great, and when you look at his catalog, you'll get an understanding of the, where he is going in this film. So, his uh, main directorial debut was in Bruges, then he did Seven Psychopaths, and then three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. So if you're familiar with those films, each of the films has a very characterized dynamic and it's situated on a point of some kind of contention. So in this film, the contention is Colm does not want to be friends with Podrick. Uh, why? You got to watch the film to figure out the why. But from the revelation, it startles Podrick. And what happens is, is that the journey of these characters falls within a human faded of consequences. And there's this dynamic that constantly unfolds because they live in this so, such a small, tight, uh, uh, tight-knit community mm -hmm. that it kind of reverberates through the rest of the characters. Hmm. So what you have here is that you also have some side characters, which Sister uh, Saibon, played by Carrie Condon, and this aloof boy who's like a friend of the family called Dominic, who's probably played by Barry Keegan, if that name's familiar. He was in Internals, and he had that one um, um, cameo in The Batman as the Joker. Um, but, really, I'm not going to go too deep into the film, because it's best to experience it as it's unfolding. But, what I can say is that it's very a very darkly comedic script, and it's a very smartly smart written script to where the dialogue is pretext within consequences of that one action. The one action of him... Um, not being friends with him. And then from there, it just becomes a domino effect of of consequential decisions and understanding the character of themselves in reflection of this broken friendship. So it's such a witty and engrossing acting tale that everything that happens, it's, it's so unpredictable. You do not see or know where this film is going because every time there's something severe happens, it uh, heightens to another... Uh, effect and it keeps uh, trickling down to the rest of the characters so it's a matter of uncertainty on their path and really what is it that both of the characters want from this impasse 
Okay. So I don't want to say anything, but the one thing I will say, it is one of the best written scripts I've seen in a long time because you're so endeared to these characters that you root for one person and then eventually it kind of shifts. And because of what one person does, it turns the pers the personal drive of the other person to another degree. So it's a bluntness driven within the irony of humility. That's mm -hmm. how I can describe the whole film without spoiling it. And okay. it's very unpredictable. It is original. It is one that takes a simple premise and you just kind of watch life unfold. And because of that, and because of the great acting, like all the actors and actresses do a phenomenal job in this film. And I highly recommend this for any film lo lovers. And it's a masterpiece in filmmaking. It is my favorite film of the year now. It's t knocked off the black phone, which has been my favorite m film since June. And I gave it a five out of five. It's cool. it's a it's a perfect film from beginning to end. Perfectly written characters. It it makes you question humanity and idea of friendship and humility and trying to see proof in the pudding. Okay. So, yeah. That should be interesting to it check is, out. It is it is and it's and it's that dark comedy where it's so funny and it's within the dialogue. It's not cheesy funny, it's not slapstick humor, it's not gruesome or crude. It's just the, the wittiness in the dialogue. And when you're paying attention, like one thing would happen and then it'll lead into something else. And then when that comedic thing happens, it catches you off guard. But then at the same time, it's kind of insane. So. Cool. All yeah. right. Yeah, I know that was very broad, but it's better to experience it. And then you'll know what I mean well, by. I think character yeah. films yeah. are kind of hit and miss yeah. Yeah. because you have to really be into character. Yeah. Films, especially when you look at some of what is out there yeah. for Hollywood, especially when you get into stuff like big budget blockbuster. I mean, right now the shoot superhero genre is, is massive yeah. uh, influence on the box office or in terms of the qual the type of films we're watching yeah. to see a, to get to a film like this or last year it was uh, nowhere, right? Nomad. Uh, Nomad land. Nomad land. Yeah. You know, where it's like, we're not doing big budget special effects. We're not doing exotic locations and crazy espionage type stuff. It's a couple of, it's a few people in a place in the world that you, that is fairly, you know, you can go to or it isn't hard to find on a map. Yeah. But it's a small rural, it's a small community type things. It's not a lot of the extra stuff yeah. there's like, no yeah there's no extra know, fluff we're not going to pandora and switching bodies with genetically created uh creatures that can survive the environment or hopping across dimensions trying to save a kid it's all right we're friends i don't like you anymore why well let's let's spend the next hour two hours yeah figuring out what in the hell is going on well, around here. It, you kind of get the reason like right soon after that, but it's, it's the, the consequences in that action. And it, it's because of that degree, it adds so much layer to the characters and what furthers on in the film that it's just such a riveting tale that it makes you just like an all of great writing. Yes. So just great writing. All so, right. Yeah, five out of five. Of great writing. Do, and do, do. what I was just saying about bigger budget, let's talk about, Wakanda forever now. Wakanda forever. Now, obviously, this has been the big hype for all year. Yep. Actually, longer than the year. 
for a minute hype since the unfortunate and untimely passing of chadwick bosman yeah it was in 2020 i won't ever forget it because when it happened i kind of stopped and thought about it and then i was just like dang because i mean he had he, he 42 uh black panther coming or coming into black panther and civil war infinity war end game the solo outing i mean those things the uh 42 which i remember seeing uh plus he had the uh there was a period piece he did with viola davis ma rainey's black bottom yeah i mean it's just you know just all these great movies and all this all this success and then to find out oh damn he was fighting cancer and silent and you know fighting it in silent but still you know getting the job done and unfortunately lost the battle yeah but it really kind of one of those things it's like okay here now we have this massively successful franchise in black panther because the first black panther film just sat there and said every record you thought you could have it was this a... one just said nope yeah. i can do better yeah and it was such a great film yeah. i mean black panther was a cultural uh, a zeitgeist film it made a lot of money. It garnered a lot of awards. It was the first comic book movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture. Um, it won a few awards, and yeah, it, it was a it was a beast that year. It was it, very much so. And now we have, and then of course the sequel. So it's like, okay, we he, he literally just got started in the MCU, and now you know we have to change this up. So this dropped last this dropped last week. Yep. And it did very well. There yep. was, we were talking off camera. There was a, a <laughs> meme or a comment I saw somewhere where it was like, you know, Black Adam took three weeks to make three hundred million. Black Pan- uh, Wakanda Forever did it in two days. Yep. And it's like, well, obviously there. I think there's a reason for that. Other than other than you know, everyone wanted to see what this was yeah. going to be, but right. Let's let's uh let's let's go back to Wakanda and see what uh turmoil is happening. All right, so Wakanda Forever takes place in the aftermath of after Endgame and all that stuff, and because of the passing, the passing actually plays into the story, because in the film, uh, what happens is the people of Wakanda are mourning the tragic death of King T'Challa. Uh, it was abrupt, and now even though they're heartbroken and they're trying to um. Uh, heal up their wounds and face the facts of what's happened. There's st- this new p- world power threat that exists in the form of another nation. So, because of their their protector is gone and their vulnerability, it's all a matter can Sherry and the rest of the Qua- uh, Wakandans uh, pick up the pieces and find a way to protect their homeland or face certain doom. That's not a pun. Doctor Doom's not in the movie. That's just the way I wrote the thing. Um, from the onset, the first thing you got to put uh, put into perspective is that Ryan Coogler had a very, 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 very tough task in writing and directing a film where not only his lead actor died, but he lost his main character. So that was a tough task in creating the sequel in the wake of that passing. But from that passing, he was able to create a story that balances the emotional weight, pays tribute to Chadwick Boseman, but... It provides a cal- uh, catalyst of building a meaningful stature of the Black Panther. So the film is like, uh, you can see it in like three parts. So you lead in with the mourning and the prologue of Black Panther passing away King Chitala. And now you're focusing on all these characters like Sh- Shiri, 
uh, Mbaku, N N Nakia, Okawe, Queen, Ramonda, dealing with all this emotional uh, fortitude. So solace, grief, strength, fortitude. You see them dealing with this, but at the same time, they got to put on an image of strength because what it is is that the rest of the world sees like, oh, Wakanda's uh, vulnerable. They can go after their main thing, which is vibranium, which is the MacGuffin of the film. But what happens is, is because of that MacGuffin, it also uh, leads us into this third party, which is Namor and his uh, uh, nation of Talakan um, because of vibranium. And what happens is that con that brings into conflict both Talakan and Wakanda and it becomes a political wrangling of of you know of the nations of protecting their 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 uh, protecting their nation and also getting vengeance on certain things. So this movie is such an emotionally driven movie, but it also what it is is a very ambitious movie because it's fo focused on, which is a good reason I piggyback off the last movie. It's a characterized film which focus on the characters and them just trying to find a way to pick up the pieces, move forward, but also uh, renew that faith in what the Black Panther means to the nation. One so, thing also, we were talking about this, is like, this is also, this also is nice in terms of comic book films because it's not a, it's not a clear hero villain story. No, it's not. Because Namor, he is the, 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 the antagonist, but he's not a villain. Um, he's a true anti-hero instead of Black Adam. I'm not going to talk about that. But he is a true anti-hero because what it is is that he is trying to protect his family, his home underwater from this threat from the outside world. So he uses it, Vibranium, as a crux to like bait Wakanda in, you either help us or you're against us. So it becomes a political wrangling and it leads to certain degrees and heightened conflict. So... But I think uh, what you were saying, though, uh, for this is I think one of the and I, I'm hoping the film did did this. You can confirm or not. But what I was saying is like if if Chadwick Boseman was still here, I, I imagine this film would be very different. I think it would be very different. I think the plot would still be kind of the same. Um, because I remember in an interview with Ryan Coogler, he, when he said that he, they already had a script written and then after the death, he had to rework a lot, but the core essence of the film stayed the same. So, which, which is good, but yeah. here's, here's what I'm getting at. Yeah. You went from one lead yeah. to five. Yeah. Well, in, in a way, yes, but in a way, no. In the, in, 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 when we think about this, when we think about these films and the structure of it, um, it, Chadwick Bosman, the lead, Black Panther, and then you had this. You had the the rest of the of the crew, like we see here in this image, who were all kind of they were in and out. They had they they influenced that hero's journey. Yeah. Whereas with this one, it's like it seems from what you were just saying, each of them are stepping up to fill such a massive uh, void that. T'Challa no, is not there for. Yeah. His mother being the, 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 the one who's used to running the state. Yeah. His sister, who is uh, a tech whiz and all of that, yeah. and is passionate about protecting uh, the, the country. M'Baku, who has, you know, he runs his tribe. Yeah, the Jahari. And, you know, he has a, he, he has a very, he, he has his interest in all of that. 
So, and then you have the spy. Well, yeah. I can't Nakia. Nakia, who, you know, was all the espionage. So you have all of these pieces, and now these guys are all kind of working together. So I think yeah. I think what I'm most excited to see is how well they share that load of not yeah. having T'Challa yeah. there. And it's, seeing I wanted and seeing, okay, as the as the director and as the writer of the script, how well he balanced those five those other characters in splitting up the 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 weight of the film because i can't see this being one of those where it's like okay this person's gone this next person steps up now we're just focusing on those two when the first one did such a great job of establishing these additional characters in the little bit of time that we saw them and then this next film, seeing them grow as characters as well, because even when they did the like the D23 and some of the big announcements, he didn't go with he, he brought up several of them for the interviews and stuff. So it really kind of gave you it's like, OK, aside from this being the press tour, maybe these characters have a more substantial role in this film that they probably wouldn't have had in the original version if we if we're still chag with bosman yep. i'm just throwing that out there because these are my preconceptions my opinions of this going into this film i'm pretty sure it's going to be it was it was great it's just these are these were these are the kind of things i was looking for and the questions i have in the fact that we're literally on the sequel and we have and we had to pivot so hard in terms of yep. the story yeah, uh, Kugler did say it was going to be de delving into T'Challa a lot more, but the, he had to rework that. So it's focusing on all these characters, but it's not like everybody. It's a it's not like a straight ensemble piece. There are a couple characters that do focus as mains, like Queen Ramonda, uh, Sherry, um, and Koye. I can say are like what more the main leads, and the other ones are to, to less degree uh, sub characters. But everything is focused on that emotional weight of of protecting the nation and moving on from uh king t'challa not the black panther man though but you know so the other thing is the other thing the other thing i, I was liking from the promotional materials is the way they did namor namor now... is great like the actor who plays namor brings a a certain level of 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 strength and arrogance which is very familiar with the character in the comics but in a way that you can understand why he is motivated to do certain things it gets a little convoluted on some of the plot points but it does not take away from the film it's just it's you no know, you know typical tropes and stuff and that, i like yeah i like seeing the whole the mesoamerican like the aztec vibes oh yeah that were it, coming it, off of that i think that was i i really that got me really excited yeah. because from the little bit I know of Namor and what I've seen in the comics, he really can't. It's really kind of bland yeah. by comparison. They redo him, and because of that Mesoamerican influence, it actually provides that thrust into true, like authentic, like political wranglings and this warring factions, and it gives you uh, inertia to understanding both sides because both sides have a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Oh yeah. No, I mean that that's that was one of the best things I love I really enjoyed about the first Black yeah. Panther. Killmonger was by far the best 
he's MCU villain. He is the to me, in my opinion, and he's I, the I best mean, MCU villain to date, still to date. Oh yeah, I mean Thanos is right in there now in that top five, it's like one and one A for me. Yeah. But uh, Killmonger, and and even so, that was the that was one of the best things because if you turn the lens just a little bit, you could tell the story from Killmonger's perspective and make him make him the hero. Yeah. I'm sure you, with this one, you could probably do the same thing. If you turn the lens where Namor is the hero and it's against the, it's against Wakanda from Namor's perspective, it probably would still be a really good film because, yeah. you know, that's the strength of the character balance and in, in setting these people, setting these people up. It's a lot like in the geopolitical structure we have in the world today, where it's like, all right, I mean, we're outside looking in and we're passing our judgment, but, you know, it's just as easy if you were on the ground there, you could see it from one side or the other. Yeah. And that's what's so great about this film is that there's no, there's no like true, like standard good versus bad hero versus villain. It's all a matter of understanding the pieces and understanding what is at stake for both nations. And that's why when it leads into the climax, you have your standard stuff in and strong acting and endearing moments but when you get past the the fighting and you know the awesome action set pieces it subverts the expectations to a point where what happens in the end it makes everything uh ambitious to what might happen in the future fair enough yeah all right so what'd you call this one overall um it's one of the better films i've seen this year it's the one of the best marvel films i've seen to date a 4.5 out of 5 is an award-worthy film, in my opinion. The slight, you know, you know, tropes take it down just like, eh, but it doesn't take it down to like, oh. You can't have a comic book movie without, without comic or two comic books. There's, tropes. there's, it's, it's, um, the only reason I take it down by just that little bit is just because there's some oversaturation at one point, but it doesn't take away from it. It's just, you're like, ah, oh, I see. And then you just move forward and like, ah, oh, I'm feeling great. So it's a great right. film. Great film. All right, so let's go on back. Yeah, so, yep, yeah, like I mentioned before, once you're starting in those later months, my, my list starts to change a little bit. Oh, I didn't mention, I just mentioned a few minutes ago how Banshee's event into Sharon is now my favorite movie of the year so far. So that yeah. might change in like two weeks, three weeks, who knows. Yeah. All right. So getting on with some news type things, because we've been chatting a little bit. Let's start talking some new stuff. Uh, last week, a little game called God of War Ragnarok came out. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, and a coincidence. And the reason I bring that up is because also last week or this week, they announced the uh, Game Award 2022 nominees. Yeah. And God of War had... Still on the shelf for less than a week, and it seems to be dominating the nominations. Yeah, it's dominating like almost every award category. It's listed in there, along with um, along with another game that came out earlier this year, which everybody knows I played a lot of, is Elden Ring. So it seems like God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring are like pretty much in tandem as one of the ones that are garnering a lot of award nominees. I'm looking I, at this list. You know, one of the, I'm looking at the list. I'm scrolling through it, and you know, one of the things I'm liking the most is like when they, we have game of the year, game direction, narrative, yeah, and art direction, and literally we're looking at the big three is God of War Ragnarok, which just dropped. Yep. 
your game, Elden, Elden Ring, and Horizon Forbidden West, which, which you've is played. I really enjoyed. Yeah. So I haven't played. I mean. I haven't played. God, I thought about getting Ragnarok. I want to, but I want to get it for a PS5, and you know the deal there. Anyway, <laughs> did you hear that bit about The Witcher getting a PS5 and Xbox Series X? Yes. Uh, upgrade. I saw it today, and I was like, it's like they're hmm. gonna do a digital upgrade, and then you gotta wait for the physical edition upgrade. I'm like, really? Are we <laughs> even bothering to talk about that? I am kind of, even though The Witcher Three is my favorite game of all time, I've moved on to that, and I'm looking forward to new games. You know what? If they're doing the upgrade for the next gen, I might consider, you know, throwing down and playing it because I did buy the game of year edition for the last did, two generations. Did you ever finish it? No, I barely okay. started. OK, so for you, I would say it might be a good time, you know, to get that upgrade. But for me, who played through all of the main game, a ton of the expansions. Yeah, I don't want to return back to that. But yeah, when you're looking at this list, I'm, I'm, I'm liking some of the stuff I'm seeing in here. I can vouch for the one thing I'm looking on here. It caught my eye because I'm playing it now on is the mobile games, like all the ones on there, you know about. But one that dropped recently, which is Marvel Snap, which is a card game. Mm -hmm. That game is amazing. That is an, I don't like card games, but that game makes card games like a great zone of the play. So if you haven't checked it out, it's a, a mobile game. Marvel Snap. Great card game. Dune Spice Wars. That I didn't know that dropped yet. Huh. Yeah. I'm looking in on best sim and strategy game. We got Dune Spice yeah. Wars, Mario Rabbids, Spark of Hope, yeah. Total War, Warhammer 3, Two Point Campus, and Victoria 3. Yeah. I see. I see. Um, uh, I'm a little disappointed on this best sports and racing game. Where's a. Uh, where's, uh, Forza, man. Where is the sports and racing? About midway down. Oh, let me scroll back up. I might have drove past. Right above the best sim and strategy game. Well, yeah, sports. Well, I mean, technically, Turismo, I can understand, but I was kind of. I mean, I that think latest Forza game is a pretty good one. I think uh, the reason it might not be in here um, is because it's technically more of an open world RPG game with racing, so that might be what it is. Because, um, yeah, but I haven't played GT7. I know we have a mutual friend that's playing it because he got a PS5 for it. He, he, he told us. <laughs> so, but yeah, I am cool seeing that um, uh, we're getting a nod to the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game in the action game Ooh. section. Shredder's Revenge, which you, me, and um, Marie played. You know, I want to jump down to the end of the list. Best adaptation. Celebrating game-inspired projects across entertainment, including TV, movies, comics, and more. I got to say, this is a pretty... I, I'm kind of torn on, two, on a couple of these. Uh, we have Arcane Le from League of Legends. Yeah. Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It's a great anime. I watched the that. Cuphead Show. Haven't watched it yet. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Which is a great film adaptation. And Uncharted. That's going to get thrown to the wayside, so it's not even up yeah, for I'm, debate. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tossed on the top, too, because I watched Edge Runners and I Legends, and you know what? I would get, a... I personally would give it to Arcane. Oh, my goodness. When I'm looking at this, because it's two different stylistic uh, 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 capturing of anime, but I think I would give the edge to Arcane because Arcane... <laughs> Every single episode, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I'm going with Arcane. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm a uh, uh, solid Arcane. 
I mean, Ed, Edge Runners is a very, yeah. very. I right. I would imagine Edge Runners is is might be runner up. Yeah. So I, we do this every year, every time we've come across the award. They also, which they have an award for most anticipated games for next year. So when you're looking at this list. Uh, who would you foreshadow that might be best game of the year nom next year when you're looking at the list? I'll name off the list. It's only five. Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, which is the remake, Starfield or Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Do you think, uh, who do you think it would be? I don't know be? if that's a game of the year stuff, but def- but I like the cat. The category is yeah. most anticipated game. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, outside of what you think might be nominated for Game of the Year next year, what is one that you would look forward to playing next year out of that five? I'd list? have to say it's probably going to be uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Starfield's the new one from Bethesda, right? Yes. That one, uh, Bethesda does definitely does not... Uh, definite, definitely Bethesda has some really great games. The Hogwarts one, I know a lot of people are up for because you know the Harry Potter. And the I know a lot of Potterheads that are looking for that game. I would say from this list, not knowing the unknown with Starfield and Bethesda, I would stake my claim just because it is one of my favorite games I ever played on PS2, and I'm looking forward to the the remake. And that's only because that's Resident Evil 4. 2 remake was amazing. Is Resident Evil 4? I've seen gameplay for the, the new four game, and I am excited. It drops next March. I will be playing it. Um, Final Fantasy 16 is the game I've been waiting to play, and it was the game I've been waiting for to get a PS5. So maybe, just maybe, it might be available to get next year. As every time I look online, it's still sold out of stock. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. So, we but yeah, it's an interesting see. list. Uh, when you look at the best game of the year. Who do you think is the most probable winner? Game of the year? Yeah, most probable. Who would you pick to win, and then who you think is the most probable to win? You know what? Um, I think it's definitely. I think it's going to be a toss. Honestly, I think it it may be a toss up between Elden Ring and God of War. Horizon is a very close contender. Everything I've heard about a Plague Tale is very positive. Yeah. But honestly, with the amount of the amount of penetration and player base that Elden Ring grabbed and God that, of War Ragnarok so far seems to be just nailing it in terms of story. I haven't watched it, the story yet. I haven't played it yet, but considering how well the last God of War game did and how anticipated Ragnarok is and all of that, I think it, I, I think, I think it's one of those is like it just came in and cleaned house and is going to walk away. With I the most wins. I know God of War could win it because you know it it is what it is. But I think if I mean, there's not a, be a testament then, to the yeah. fact the game launched a week ago and it's already up here for game of year. Yeah. I, I yeah, I wouldn't put it past it. I had an idea. I had already had a feeling that God of War Ragnarok was going to be up for game of the year once it came out. But uh, I think if there's no immediate bi- you know, immediate bias to pick Ragnarok, I think uh, Elden Ring should be the front runner like you said. It pulled in a huge huge, you know, 
crew of people and just gamers, not just the hardcore that from the Demon Soul style games, but like everybody. Like it opened up the floodgates to that kind of game. And it also the one thing that Elden Ring showcases is that you can release a game fully and actually be able to play it on day one without patches and start fixes. Like they actually released a full fledged playable game. Which, you know, which happens a lot nowadays is that you release a game and then there's like a gig patch every single time. So, and it's one of the best single player games, original single player games that's come out in a while. So, I'm going to side with Elden Ring, but only by a slight hair. It's, uh, like you said, I think it's a toss up. It's a toss up. I'm just going through this list right now and God of War Ragnarok is got nine nominations on this list and it's been nominated literally for like the cream of the crop here so we got it for game of the year game direction narrative art direction score music audio design performance and then we scroll down a little bit and it's for innovation in accessibility because that's a big thing right now yep if and it, at best action slash adventure game. Yeah, I and think the other yeah. thing is, is like runner up on the number of nominations is Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. So it's like in the just sheer number of nominations, we got Ragnarok, Forbidden West, Elden Ring, and then a Plague Tale. Yeah. That seems to be the spread. Yeah, Plague's uh, Tale, you know. I played the other, the first game. It's pretty fun. I haven't played the second one yet. But, you know, if Elden Ring doesn't get the game of the year, it's more than likely going to get RPG. Yeah. Probably, because that's literally its bread and butter. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough fight with Ragnarok, but Elden Ring has had a lot more people play into it. Yeah. And even you said it was one of the easy, best games in terms of picking up and started playing it yeah. here because the dark souls games their whole their whole universe of games they're brutal yeah and yet this is the this one by everybody i've heard comment on it is like it is the easiest to pick up and start playing yeah. it's I would, not as brutal yeah. as like dark souls it's not as brutal but there's not a cakewalk. It's not a cakewalk cake either. <laughs> but what I can say is because, you know, I picked up the game and I played the game for a good seven months. Um, and I can say that, like, there is a difficulty, but it's not a difficulty just to be difficult. You have to be smart. You have to understand your powers and characters. And you got to understand the mobs you're dealing with to be able to fight them. But once you can, like, level up and you OP your character, it does get a a little bit easier and then when you think it does the game goes hold my beer and then you go to an area and you are like okay i give up <laughs> so but yeah it's a great game i always think about going back but there's another game i'm going to try i'm just waiting for i'm actually waiting hoping to see if the the game i want to buy drops in price for the black friday deals well, i guess we'll find out all right next thing we're going to talk about is we got an anniversary we're going to highlight Yes, sir. And that, since Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remake just dropped, we're going to come back to that franchise, and we're going to look at um, the fact that the Call of Duty franchise, 15 years. Yeah, the Modern Warfare. The Modern Warfare, 15 years, as of the release of the remake of 2. So, all the reason it's good to highlight is because 
with Call of Duty before Modern Warfare, we know what Call of Duty was. It was a World War II shooter along with Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's the other one I used to play? I can't remember it right now. There was another one I used to play. Brothers in Arms. That was the other one I used to play. Um, so what it is, you know, you had your shooters and whatnot. You also had PC games where you had online shooters like Counter-Strike and whatnot. And some other, you know, shooters online like Unreal Tournament, Quake. Um, you can drop them in there. But when uh, Call of Duty, which was, it was called Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. When that dropped 15 years ago, it literally revolutionized and changed a lot of things. So one of the things it did, it changed what uh, a first-person shooter could be forever. It exploded on the market because they took the Call of Duty formula and transformed it into a modern warfare kind of setting. I mean, that was the first thing. Modern Warfare... Were released in 2007. Yeah. Sold 20 million copies. Yeah, a lot, a lot of copies. And then, of course, we had the uh, we had all we had the that string of commercials for for Call of Duty afterwards with yeah. the the stars and the star cameos. Yeah. And, and the get your squad together. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, it also brought up like there's a bit in here. Call of Duty 4 wasn't the only game that popularized multiplayer shooter modes. Uh, but, you know, Halo 3 and and Gears of War were good for 06 and 07. And then Call of Duty 4 dropped and it was like, boom. It reached a, another wider audience because what it did, not only did it modernize the shooter war game genre, like it just brought... It wasn't, a sci- <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't as heavy sci-fi yeah, or, you know, like... Gears and Halo are very sci-fi influenced. Call of Duty, it's like, that's like, you know, you could literally like pick spots on a map and, you know, let things just go down. Yeah, there was a tangibility to it because of the realistic and not only because of that realistic, not just being an online shooter and having competitive matches. What it also did um, is it brought in this competitive RP-ish elements in it because there was things you could level up in the game. There's weapons you can gate. Um, if you had certain kill streaks, you can drop certain things like nukes and bring in other items and stuff. And it added a dynamic to territory battles that wasn't seen outside of um, all these other games. So um, it did push the limits of the shooter and it also brought in this wider market like you said into the fray so that's just something to celebrate and also happy birthday yep yep all right next up we're trying to get into rapid fire it's a little bit of rapid fire here so apologize for running a little long but uh bear with us we're almost there all right so next up we got some some streaming news yep uh, every you know every time um, every once in a while we talk about something happening in the streaming world and one of the things that always usually happens around certain times is price hikes. Yeah, we have uh, <laughs> Disney Plus is going to be raising their prices on December eighth, so uh, check that out. I had to recently had to log in to do some changes, some updates to my account information, so I upgraded my membership. But I'm thinking about definitely doing this annual membership. Yeah, option just uh even my even my one of my apps is like hey you can save some money on disney if you uh go for an annual plan instead of a month to month yep and they're raising their prices because they're including an ad tier so they're kind of like doing a bait and switch with with the people so instead of it making it look lower all they did was replace what the regular was at 7.99 and made that the ad tier and pushed everything else up so you know everybody's doing that ad tier right now i mean 
So same thing with the uh, Apple Plus TV. Yep, Apple so. Plus is also getting a getting an increase. I have I'm using Apple, uh, the Apple family. Yeah. Uh, thing. So I pay, I pay, I pay a little bit more because I'm use I have a mm -hmm. family set up. Yeah. So they're going from, um, the Apple TV Plus is going from four ninety nine to six ninety nine. The music from nine ninety nine to ten ninety nine, and then Apple one from fourteen ninety five to sixteen ninety five. So, um, <clears throat> the all, thing, the reason we bring it up is that this it just heightens the awareness of not only you have these just these two streaming platforms, but you have like uh, other ones that have raised prices or leveling out certain prices. So you have HBO Max, Netflix, um, you have uh, Prime Video, you have Peacock, you have Paramount Plus, and all of this adds up to. Uh, a choosing game. What do you choose? Mm -hmm. And then now people used to joke back when streaming started coming. It's like at one some point, uh, the total is going to equate or be more than getting regular cable. And sure enough, mm -hmm. regular basic cable is cheaper than combining a lot of these streaming services. But you got to equate a lot of different things. What kind of things are you looking for when you're watching? What kind of things do you like? What kind of things you don't like? So picking and choosing will start becoming a flavor and what i think might happen is that some point down the road that these streaming services they're going there's going to be a bundle of like a, a package let's just come up with a word I um mean, it, it would... eagle glide let's say eagle glide will bundle everything up into this and then you have non-eagle glide i'm just making a word up well yeah think about it. we're already seeing that with providers like yeah the different cell phone providers would give you like They'd wrap up the subscription to one of these streaming services as part of your phone bill. Yeah, Verizon does that with uh, Discovery Plus. I know that. They did it with Disney while yeah. I was. I do my Netflix through my cell phone provider because yeah. I don't. I probably wouldn't subscribe to Netflix again because I just comparatively, I could find a lot more things to watch off of Netflix. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, like it, like it. That plays into what i mentioned before what do you choose what is your flavor of the you know flavor of the of the of the thing do you like strawberry or chocolate chip or cookies and cream what well, is your ice even cream so it's still also not too bad to buy one yeah. pay for a month watch yeah. what you want to watch let it go yeah. and then you know kind of rotate but through the services at the same time even though prices do go this way you still gotta preface the fact that even if you're paying that much what you're getting access to is still a lot of stuff yes. regardless of if you have all of them or some of them. All righty. So we covered that. Now we're going to get into some odds and ends. Oddies and endies. You know, this first story for odds and ends, for those of you who don't know, odds and ends is a collection of stories that Rye finds on the internet. And he takes great delight in showing me these and getting my reaction to them right off the bat. Because I yeah. typically don't read the stories prior because I want it to be an authentic experience. Yeah. That, that, that your reactions make my findings worth the time of finding them. And I got to say, you uh, this first one, I'm actually, hits me on a couple of levels, but okay. So our first story tonight is talking about uh, the Swiss Breaker record with a 1.2 mile long passenger train. Yes. And this is from, wait for it, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. So to commemorate the 175th anniversary of their first railway, they launched a record-breaking, like you said, 1.2 mile long passenger train, which consists of not one, not two, but 100 cars. Weighing approximately... <laughs> 2,990 tons 
This extra long train can comprise 25 smaller Capricorn electric trains traveled approximately 15 miles from Perdia to uh, uh, I can't even pronounce the other one. I'm not going to try along the UNESCO World Heritage Route in eastern Switzerland on October 9th, according to CNN. This this area is renowned for its plunging hills and switchback viaducts and tunnels. This is wild. I mean, now I, I like model building and I had an uncle who was real big into model trains. And I think trains are just one of those cool lost modes of transportation. But this is pretty wild. Yeah, that's a, that's a very long train. And when you actually look at the photo, it makes you go, huh. <laughs> that's a, that's the that first photo i'm thinking about that game where you had the worm or something and you had the to like snake the snake had to keep going yeah. and he yeah. had to uh, you had to try and manage it when it got so long yeah and not hit the thing or you would lose yeah yeah it's like okay it's like before you it's like you could see it come out of one tunnel go into the next tunnel and you can still see and it it's, going it's still going it's <laughs> like you know did time stop because yeah. sometimes you think about that. You watch a train passing on, on the set of railroad tracks, and you're like, man, how long is this train? Oh, yeah. And if it's blocking the intersection and you need to get the class in time at ODU, yeah, it can be a pain. Right. <laughs> right. It's never happened to me because I know how to get around. But I have seen it block other people. So. Rail transportation is popular among the Swiss, who average 1,500 miles of trains annually. In 2021, with 880,000 passengers, used 11,000 trains every day to travel the country's 2,029-mile-long system of track. Yeah. The country also has private railways, creating a rail network of 3,293 miles. Now, this is not uncommon for Eastern, for Europe and all of that. Their, I mean, their public transportation is pristine over there. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, so we didn't we didn't go that route here in the States, but over there, definitely. Yeah. All right. What's our uh, All take right. our next one? All right. So going from trains, going to dive it into the psychedelics. So this is an article out of HuffPost. So everybody likes to go to the national parks. You know, we have a lot of national parks in America. There's a lot of different good sceneries, animals. And with the animals, you like to get close. But sometimes... You know, it's not good to get too close. Are you kidding me? So, the out of the Huff Post, the, the uh, quoting out of the National uh, out of the Huffington Post is National Park Service dropped an unusual warning recently. You know, you have caution signs here and there, but they are urging visitors to stop licking toads. Um, specifically, uh, this applies to the Sonorina Desert Toad, also known as the Colorado River Toad. When I looked at this, it made me raise an eyebrow, but then it makes me think about the Tide Pod Challenge. So there's that. That is not the first thing that came to mind when I read that line. The first thing that came to mind when I read that line yeah. was Family Guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the reason they're telling it is because, yeah, people are doing it to try to get a psychedelic reaction. But what it is is that this is a severely poisonous frog and it can also quote cause se severe irritation pain and tissue damage as long as numbness of the mouth and throat as well as severe and life-threatening effects to the heart so they're telling you don't do it if you want to get high there's already the legal stuff to do in pretty much 50 per 50 plus percent of the country anyway so go do the legal stuff and get high don't lick the toads people don't lick the toads wow this is 
Wow. <laughs> I can't even with this one. All right. Moving on. Moving on. This one we oh, go from. This was cool. I heard about this on the uh, on my morning yep. morning one. Okay, you want to take this one? Kind of like in the last one though. Okay. But okay. I don't want to. I don't want to take the last one from you because you do you 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 do that one a lot more than me. Okay. But uh, yeah. So we have definitely made some strides in medical science. Yeah. Uh, this is this article from Gizmodo, which already tells you it's a geek's friend. Yeah. Um. First time ever, people are getting transfusions. A blood transfusions from lab-grown blood cells. Yeah, you know we've had all these conversations about stem cell research and art and artificial. Now we're literally we're seeing because every year you hear about this. Blood banks are short. Go donate blood. People who want to donate blood can't because of one reason or another. Now we're seeing that you know going through some trial trial phases of using artificial blood. Yeah, to for blood transfusions. It's like. We're here. Yeah. We're here. So, yeah, this is a very great thing because, like you said, when, you know, you always hear about, you know, uh, blood supplies being low, if you're able to create this, it becomes a sustainable thing and also will lead Especially to other things. Especially for those people who've got those really obscure... The rare, type. rare blood types. So, out of this article from Gizmodo, quote, the Restore trial, which is what it's also known, is being conducted by scientists from the UK's National Health Services and various universities. At least 10 healthy volunteers are expected to be enrolled in the study, and they're going to go and test and see the side effects and figure out if it truly will be revolutionary outside of the fact that they actually created blood cells. So Very hopefully, cool. hopefully it'll be great. All right. Last story. 25 years in the making. 25 years in the making. What happened? <laughs> so anyways... We all, a lot of us grew up with Pokemon, whether it is playing the OG games on the Game Boy, watching the anime, uh, playing all the other games, playing the mobile game on your phone, which I do every day. Um, Jay, he's the oldest 10-year-old. Yeah, oldest 10-year-old. So Ash Ketchum is the character you uh, come to love and know with him and his Pikachu friend as they travel around the regions in the Pokemon world to want to become the very best to become a champion. He's won badges. He's won other things, but... It took 25 years, as reported here in the NPR article, and he's finally become a Pokemon World Champion. So, so. I mean, that was like the whole premise of the show. It's like, I want to go be a Pokemon Master. And yep. 25 years, I'm 10 years old, traveling the world, never, and, and all of that, all of these shenanigans and crazy adventures. Finally. Yeah, finally. And the great thing, I meant, uh, just to quote this article, he emerged victorious, quote, from the Pokemon World Coronation series in the latest episode within the series Pokemon Ultimate Journeys, the series that was released in Japan. The first 12 episodes are already uh, premiered on October 21st on Netflix. But the great thing is, is that when they played this, they played it in Tokyo on the big screen and had a bunch of people there cheering him on. So, you know, it is awesome to see if you've been following this character and you've been following his struggles he's had a hard time he's not won the championship and now he's finally become that world champion and it's kind of bittersweet because from what i'm hearing is that ash is going to be departing the series after winning it all that's what i've heard i mean i mean you kind of have to at yeah. some point i mean how much longer would he keep doing it? he's yeah. he's changed his traveling companions multiple times and they all seem to grow up and do these do these things yet he seems to be stuck in the same rut 
So. Yeah. So, and it's uh, they just quote in here that the Pokemon company hasn't announced its plans beyond this season and is keeping the focus on the moment, which is congrats. Finally, finally, Ash has come home with the championship badge. Well, Ash has come home, and now we are going to set sail ourselves. Set sail, my friends. So thank you, everybody, for hanging out and watch, listening to us, watching us. If you're on YouTube, you're listening to us again. Uh, give us a like. Give us a subscribe on YouTube. Give us a rating. Give us a review on uh, all any of your podcast channel you're listening to this listening to our show we greatly appreciate all the support you guys give um it keeps us doing this because you know we actually it's actually kind of fun it's it's a lot of fun doing this so also want to do a shout out to sirenscape sirenscape for background music soundboards to make your tabletop and gaming experience more immersive with you and your players they have a wonderful online player we're using today uh, we've been using them for a number of years to provide a background sound to our podcast where it doesn't sound like two guys in a room although the background does say we're two guys in a room but the <laughs> audio makes it sound like we're out and about in the world so uh go out to sirenscape.com check them out you'll not be disappointed i guarantee it such a wide variety uh, so thank you to them. Also, if you want to support the studio, you can always head over to patreon.com slash scuba studio and uh, get in, consider being a patron there. It's only a few bucks. It's not, a, it, it's every little bit helps and it's totally up to you. If not, just continue to like, share, tell people about it. Check us out every week when new episodes come out. And on that note, Ryan, my friend, happy Thanksgiving, happy my dude. Happy Gobble Gobble Turkey Day to you, too. Happy Thanksgiving if you're celebrating out there in the world, and we will see you on our next episode. Good night, everybody. Peace. Oh. Wasn't too bad today. Mm -mm. I always have fun.